before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, um, there's just some crazy business going on today in the news. And uh, one of the things is is this Nick Fuentes story. I've never heard of this Nick Fuentes guy before. Like, how in the world did he get to be so popular? And, you know, it's quite interesting also how the media keeps on changing the stories, the stories that uh, we see playing out. Uh, We're being psyoped. We're being gaslit. Um, There's so many unexplained events going on in the world. Take, for example, the five sedans that blew up in an airport uh, why in the world did the Biden administration uh, rent these things in the first place? Uh, the issues with Apple and uh, Twitter are very telling, very interesting. Um, the whole thing about the yay setup and Trump and Nick Fuentes. I never even really heard the, heard of this guy, Nick Fuentes. I don't really know anything about him. But I'm like, okay, can't be really that bad, right? And then I I, I, I found this, you know, it was all trending all over the internet. Uh, Rachel Maddow put out these clips of Nick Fuentes. And I'm like, wow, this guy's got to be a plant because he sounds as crazy as any liberal I've ever heard. But I've never heard a Republican or a conservative talk like he does. Never in my life. I never, you know, conservatives never, ever look to skin color or pigmentation or gender for solutions to any problems. That's um, one of the things that just don't do. You know, you're not a conservative if you do that. You know, it's always been the Democrats that have been the racist segregationists. It always has been. Now, not every Democrat is a segregationist. Not every Democrat is a racist. 
But when you look back at the history of our country, the formation of the KKK, the writer of the Jim Crow laws, not not the Constitution, but the Jim Crow laws, and you look at the defender of uh, slavery, you know, it's always been the Democrats. If you look at the father of segregation, you know, you got George Wallace, the Democrat from Alabama, standing in the doorway saying, hey, we're not going to integrate down here in Alabama. You know, he's a Democrat. And like I said yesterday, if you look up at Jim Crow laws, they were written by state and local Democrats. Heck, Walter Plecker, uh, this guy from Virginia, is the whole sole reason why it is that I was born in Philadelphia. Because he wanted to separate people by skin color and give people from uh, with different skin colors, particularly Native American Indians like myself, um, a certain uh, lot in life said you couldn't get past this go to school past the seventh grade unless you went to a certain color school of color and got a sub 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 subpar education so a lot of uh people from the south and particularly virginia where this walter plecker was from look him up walter plecker what a monster democrat part of the virginia assembly and he is in he reigned in power in the 1920s and 30s. And I literally can tell you, standing here today in 2022, that the reason why I was born in Philadelphia was because of decisions that this man made in 1920s and 30s related to his demented racism. And he was a Democrat. So I am directly impacted. If you want to talk about rep- reparations and grievances, I have one right there. I could probably take that to court and make a mint. But I won't because it's just not necessary. What is necessary is that we are a nation of laws. And right now he's dead, thank goodness. And I'm alive and I'm trying to do the best I can as a person in this country to honor the people who've given their lives for mine. The people that fought for this flag, this country. So I have no grievances except for the fact that we have rigged elections right now. And they're peeing all over our Constitution. And it's sad, but when you listen to some of these heart-wrenching statements going on in Maricopa County, it makes you cry inside. They are just tearing this country apart with this transgender nonsense, with this non-binary bullcrap, and all the other stuff in between. It's absolutely Enraging and stunning, and you know what it is. People aren't born that way. And I don't know too many parents that are raising their kids to be this demented. I think it's something else. I think it's pay to play. I think people are getting paid to do the wrong thing. And people are taking the money and doing the wrong thing. And I think that the the uh, players in place 
are from the outside. I think that there are people that are not Americans. George Soros is not an American. He is a um, European. And he has come and he has tried to destroy countries that he doesn't agree with. And they've, they've, they've found a way to do it. What we're seeing play out with Twitter and Apple, and, you know, I am so disappointed. I'm almost sick inside that I actually own an iPhone 14 Pro. Because I, if I would have known, well, I, I actually did know, though. You know, I, I, I fell short of my own principles there. Because you know why? I was just thinking about this today. Because everybody's talking about Apple being beholden to China and Foxconn, you know, the manufacturer that makes the motherboards and the phones and they're all over in China. But we forget. We forget that Donald Trump, when he was president, got Tim Cook to get up on the mic and actually speak out loud and say that he was going to build a Foxconn plant in Texas. That never happened. He lied. Tim Cook is a liar. And Tim Cook runs Apple. And he is not a special human being. And he is not particularly smart. But he is somehow in power. Just like Biden is not particularly smart. And his son Hunter is not particularly bright. And this is not a particularly great family to look at. When you read Ashley Biden's diary and you look at Hunter Biden's porn tapes and crack tapes and sex tapes. And you look at the infidelity that was going on between Jill and Joe. And you look at the fact that Hunter Biden slept with his deceased brother's wife. I mean, it you could go... On and on. But the worst part of it is not even those things I just mentioned. The Biden crime family is pushing an electric vehicle agenda, a climate initiative agenda, not just to, it has nothing to do with the environment. It has everything to do with making them rich And it has everything to do with redistribution of wealth from the middle class to the elite class. That's what the climate initiative is all about. Because the middle class cannot rise up. Listen, folks. The middle class can't rise up. Cannot rise up. If you take away its food, if you take away its energy, if you control its money, and you censor its speech, you cannot rise up without being informed, being communicative. That's why what's going on in China is so interesting with the Apple thing. They're talking about this airdrop. I don't know if you know what that is, but airdrop is this little thing that says, I can send Uh, data to somebody else who has an iPhone that's next to me as long as they prove it. And it goes like, it's almost like a walkie talkie, you know, where you're talking to each other through airdrop. 
because you're in close proximity to each other. And the people in China that were actually welded into their homes were trying to communicate as if you were in a prison and you were trying to like, you know, take your spoon and tap, tap, tap and do Morris code on the, on the jail bars to communicate with your friend that's in jail down three cells down. And so airdrop was sort of what they were doing there. And, um, that came up quick. Um, so in any case, I usually slide that down. I, I can't believe we're so far into the show already. Um, but, uh, I, I will tell you that, um, when they, when, when, uh, what Apple's doing with the airdrop is amount to, I think it's treason. I think it's inhumane. And I'm ashamed that I own an Apple at this point. And Tim Cook ought to be brought up on war crimes for the lack of humanity that he has shown the protesters in China, number one. But they won't kick the curve. They won't kick, you know, they won't kick China. That's why you're going to, you know, no one wants to ban TikTok, even though they know it's a spying tool for China. Nobody wants to um, allow airdrop to exist to help the protesters. Nobody wants to speak about the protesters like Kirby when he was asked the question about protesters. The protesters have a right to protest, but we're we're not going to get involved with that. But they get involved with Ukraine. Now you got Zelensky asking for another trillion dollars to launder so that he can empower the next election through another vehicle. Maybe it's not going to be FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, but it'll probably be someone else. It's absolutely crazy and stunning and absurd. We cannot be a country. We are losing our country with these rigged elections. There's no way in heck, no way did did the uh, Biden administration get 81 million votes. No way. It's absurd to even, even, even uh, think that. You know, um, they got these two trans people. They broke the glass ceiling, right? So I said, no way are liberals winning elections legally with Fetterman and Biden at the, and the trans traitors and their trans traitors, transsexual traitors, on the um, it, dressed in this red outfit, some dude dressed up like a a woman is the U.S. government's first non-binary senior official. And on uh, in the blue dress, uh, this other person, is the Army's first openly transgender officer. One was charged for stealing a woman's luggage at an airport, and the other was indicted for selling military secrets to Russia. Wow, that's, that's really great, right? Absolutely stunning. So I wrote these pieces here because there was a meme that floated out. New Gingrich said this. He said, the Biden administration, I think, uh, this is a quote from New Gingrich. The Biden administration, I think, wants a weaker and weaker America and is willing to facilitate and help dictators around the world. 
The Biden administration, I think, wants a weaker and weaker America and is willing to facilitate and help dictators around the world. And what he's talking about there is he wants to crush our ability to be energy independent, creating a dependent America, but also putting Keystone workers out of business, right? But at the same time, what is he doing? He's empowering Venezuela, socialists, communists. Why would he do that? Why is he doing that? Because you know why? Because he can make money off of that deal. That's why Hunter Biden did business in the shadiest of countries. He went over to China and he went over to Ukraine where bigger governments led to a lot more corruption. And you go to these African nations and, you know, it might only be that we're giving, um, you know, a hundred million dollars to a a nation. That sounds like chump change, right? But if you say, okay, and a million for me, and you do that deal three times in a year, um, you're going to get three million bucks stuffed in your pocket in a wired account, in a crypto account. You're going to get a whole bunch of Bitcoin. Who knows what you're going to get, but you're going to get something. If you're Samantha Power, you know, former United Nations ambassador under Obama, and now under uh, Biden, she's the U.S. aid uh, relief secretary. And that's just a huge money job. You can get all kinds of kickbacks on that job. Just like Fauci gets his royalties, you know, from all the recommendations that he makes to the pharmaceutical industry. It's sad. So I wrote this. I said, the climate hoax is a weapon globalists leaders use to prevent middle class from competing in world markets. I'm going to read that again. I wrote this yesterday. Climate hoax is a weapon globalist leaders use to prevent middle class from competing in world markets. Crippling their energy is equivalent to a roadblock to success. This gives them a monopoly in line with their goal to reduce population by as much as 80% where poverty doesn't exist. But that's a, that's a fool's errand there because poverty will always exist, number one. What they don't realize is that if they drop the population by 80%, which is really their utopian goal, there will be no one left, no ants left on the anthill to buy the products that they are selling. So how are they going to get rich? Who's going to buy their cans of Pepsi and, and their cheeseburgers at the cheap store, you know, at the, at the McDonald's? Who's going to buy their fries and the lower end of the... Who's going to buy their insects and bugs, you know, that we're going to, going to all be mandatorily uh, conditioned to eat? I mean, who's going to eat those bugs? Because that's what the globalists are pushing. While they eat their steaks and fly their private jets and actually don't have any climate footprint limitations whatsoever, climate carbon footprint, you and I are going to have a washer machine that's going to cut off at a certain point because we use too much water or too much electricity. We're going to have a washer machine and a dryer and a dishwasher and a refrigerator. It's all going to be preset. They're all going to be compliant with the Internet and they're going to be controlled by big tech. And, you know, like we talked about yesterday, 
this conditioning, it started. It started back in the Obama years. It started with Benghazi, and it started with a lot of other things. And it's just evolved into what it is now. And Elon Musk buying Twitter and threatening to showcase the agreements that were set forth between Twitter and the government would be an eye-opener, to be sure. But even now, Elon Musk is equivocating because Elon Musk feels threatened because if they take him off of Apple and Google, um, that's going to be the end of Twitter. And his $44 billion, billion goes down the drain, right? But what I said was that he has to understand that he's going to have to take, if he really wants to do what he says he wants to do, which I don't know that he does, I don't know if this is a ruse or what, but at some point he's going to have to trust the American people to have his back. If he does something right for the American people, the American people will do right for him. I think that's that's really the uh, case. And I think we will do it. But he's got to pull the trigger because so far the American people have not had the information that it needs to prosecute its case. To pressure its representatives. There are still some people in Congress that can do the right thing. You know, I just heard that um, Tim Cook sat down with a bunch of conservatives if you want to call Corbett, Corbett, uh, the Texas senator, a conservative, but also Jim Jordan was set had, was in the meeting, so that's related to the. Uh, I think that conversation was related to the airdrop, but it's quite interesting. All of this stuff is quite interesting. Um, so, you know, speaking of climate. It says here, making batteries requires lots of energy. Soaring European energy prices could kill investments in six new Volkswagen battery manufacturers, factories. So VW warns soaring EU energy costs render battery plants unviable. Uh, I'm telling you, folks, this isn't even this isn't even a no brain. This is a no brainer. We don't have enough resources. The whole mining uh, of uh, precious metals to make batteries is so limited. It could never keep pace if electric was the choice. But like I say, the Biden crime family stands to benefit by pushing this Green New Deal because not only does it weaken the middle class and strengthen the elite class, and it prevents the middle class from rising up because you've cut off its energy supply and no longer could the middle class ever compete with the elite class, thereby ensuring the elite class monopoly, right? That's first and foremost. That's what the climate thing is all about. Greta Van, I mean, not Greta Van, <laughs> Greta Thunberg, she surely knows what, what it's all about. Let's take a listen to what Greta Thunberg has to say because she's like the smartest climate person in the room. Let's take a listen. It is, the money is there. If we can save the banks, if, then we can save the world. Applause. I mean. Applause. <laughs> Woo! 
Save the banks and we save the world. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's great, Greta. Thank you. Greta, Greta Thunberg ain't going to be saving the banks or the world with her dismal book sales, illustrating once again no one cares about the climate hoax except the middle class who is getting crushed by crippling energy prices, which is their tyrannical goal to control people. That's exactly what's going on there. But let's take a listen to uh, this guy. You know, it's funny, uh, um, Newt Gingrich, I, I just saw him speak and I got to speak with him at an event uh, two weeks ago at a gala. And that was nice. And he, he gave a great speech. I'm telling you, man, this guy is for real. Uh, Newt Gingrich, say what you want about him, but he's been he's been great in his retirement. Uh, here's another guy. Uh, this guy, I'm forgetting his name, but I'm going to tell you his name in a second. Uh, let's take a listen to what he has to say about the Elon Musk situation. This man going after the richest company, Elon Musk and Apple. It's a good one, too. Tweeting, Apple has mostly stopped advertising on Twitter. Do they hate free speech in America? Uh, what's going on here? Where does it go? Vivek Ramaswamy, founder of Strive Asset Management, author of Nation of Victims, with me now. Vivek, good morning to you. Um, we were looking for a response from Apple. Haven't seen it yet. If it's out there, we'll try and get it and pass it to our viewers. Uh, what's Musk going for here and where does it go? Look, I think he's calling out the hypocrisy of a company whose slogan was once quite literally think different. Now it's think the same, right? So Vivek Ramaswamy, I'm going to give you his name. I saw this guy speak at the International Women's Forum uh, about four weeks ago. Um, it was a, an event, a really nice gala. It's an annual gala that they have here in D.C. Um, that's one of the things that being in the D.C. area, you get to go to all these events and meet all these people. I've been to about six of them in the last two months. And uh, met a whole bunch of, you know, really interesting people. This guy's name, Vivek Ramaswamy. It's uh, V as in victory, I, V as in victory, E, K, Vivek. And then Ramaswamy is R-A-M-A-S-W-A-M-Y. That's Ramaswamy. And uh, look him up. He's with Strive Asset Management, but he gave one heck of a speech. He's anti-global. He's he's pro-Trump. You know, it, it, he's a great ally to have. But let's take a listen again. Yeah, if it's out there, we'll try and get it and pass it to our viewers. Uh, what's Musk going for here and where does it go? Look, I think he's calling out the hypocrisy of a company whose slogan was once quite literally think different now the company will punish you unless you literally think the same. And I think, Bill, people might say that, oh, well, I don't want to use my iPhone then. I'm going to switch to an Android phone. Well, guess what? Google can make the exact same decision to deplatform an app like Twitter as it did with Parler. This is not theoretical. Both Apple and the Google Play Store did the exact same thing. And I think that this exposes, Bill, the real antitrust problem in Silicon Valley. It is not a monopoly on products. It is a monopoly on ideas. It is not this classical product cartel that punishes the consumer by charging them a high price. It is an ideological cartel that punishes the defector. And right now, that defector is Elon Musk. That's what we're seeing on display. Okay, he, he shot out another. He fired a bunch of, all, of these off yesterday. Apple has also threatened, he writes, to withhold Twitter from its apps more, but won't tell us why. 
But if that's true, that's a big deal. That is a very big deal. It goes back to even the antitrust cases in the 1990s of Microsoft tying up Netscape as its browser. I think it's the same problem. You look at the anti-competitive issues with the Apple Play Store and the Google Play Store. This is a monopoly on ideas. But, Bill, I think that this actually goes more deeply to our culture. What are our commitments to the free exchange of ideas? What are our actual cultural commitments to free speech and open debate? That is what's at stake here. And the real threat to free speech today in our country plays out not just through the government. That is half the problem. But through this hybrid of governmental power and corporate power, especially anti-competitive corporate power, to suppress free speech and open debate in this country. That is the essence of our national soul. And I think that is what's at stake in this debate. this man see, going- see um, here's the thing. I've been saying this for the longest of time, um, and I have it posted out there on Twitter and Facebook, and I've been saying this for months, uh, ever since this issue started really coming up, but I've been saying this for a long, long time. And for years I've been saying, you know, talking about that's how Jim Crow got to be what it was, because there were unconstitutional laws they were never contested because corporations weren't contesting them. They were complying with them because they were getting gravy government contracts and appealing to the government and and complying so that they didn't get shut down, they didn't get fined or harassed, you know, by local government or state government. And that was Jim Crow. Goes way back. But what I'm saying now is, you know, this Standard Oil and Sherman Act and antitrust laws Pales in comparison to what's going on now. And this is an extreme abuse of power. And I've been saying for the longest of time that these online communities, Facebook and uh, Twitter and, you know, any of them, uh, should be held, held to the same standard as the Bill of Rights. And as the uh, what the Constitution mandates, and we know that that is the case with the government, right? You know, so the federal government uh, is bound to the Constitution and can violate that, um, but private companies they're not bound to that same standard. And but you can't call these organizations uh, private organizations anymore. You know, the government is public. And the corporations are private. And they're saying only public uh, entities are bound by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But I say, no, it's got to be it's got to be that if if you're doing business with the government and you're colluding with the government and you're allowing the government to use you as a conduit to passing their dirty laundry or carrying their water or doing, you know, the censorship dirty work for them. Well, hey, you can't do that. That's obviously a violation and a breach of contract between the United States voter and the elected officials themselves. So, no, it's a no-brainer to me. Um, And this needs to be passed sooner than later, like before the next election. And we also need to get rid of these computer machines that are rigging our elections. And we need to get rid of these ballot harvesters and the ba- uh, manda- uh, sending ballots out willy-nilly all over the town, these ballots should be held sacred. They should be, it, it, your vote should be secret. And by sending your ballot out 
I think that there's a law there 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 could be a law there to where if someone sends my ballot out in the mail and it gets lost in the mail, I could sue somebody about that. I don't know. I mean, it's my ballot. Why are you going to send my vote in the form of a ballot out to some stranger? You know, some strange land, some strange place so that it could be exploited. Think about it from a legal perspective that way. And I think that there there could be some problems there. Now, my address hasn't changed and I'm probably going to get that ballot. But who's, you know, where's the chain of custody there? And you can't trust the U.S. Post Office. They lose mail 50% of the time. And they're the, they're the most poorly run entity thanks to all kinds of quota-based systems and equity programs. They're not getting the best. They're getting, you know, just a bunch of crap that works there. So, you know, and it doesn't help that our leadership, our leadership right now is uh, going against MAGA. And this is as clear of of a dog whistle as I've ever seen related to what we saw play out in the um, in the midterm election where you had Mitch McConnell uh, and Carl Rove putting out a super PAC and promoting Josh Shapiro uh, at the expense of Fetterman. But in the end, that hurt Mastriani in the governor's race in Pennsylvania. And they spent $2.5 million, Carl Rove and Mitch McConnell super PAC, and then you had Mitch McConnell pull $9 million from Blake Masters and give it to Lisa Murkowski, who was running against a MAGA Republican. So there's no, so, so the reason why the Republicans didn't fare that well is because of Mitch McConnell. And the reason why the Republicans didn't do that well is because the party was divided. And you know what? They didn't even tell you that. They kept it sneaky. Are they even helping Herschel Walker right now? Do they even want uh, to take the lead? And, and in fact, they're not going to get the lead, but there is a difference between 50-50 and 51-49 in the Senate. There is a difference in terms of committee chairs and things like that. Um, but in any case, uh, Mitch McConnell is the dirtiest, slimiest scumbag on the planet right now. Cocaine Mitch, leader McConnell, got his name because of running drugs through the Pacific with his wife's foremost group operation, a shipping company. So take a listen to this slime ball, Mitch McConnell, talking about the uh, Donald Trump dinner he had with Ye and then this guy, Nick Fuentes, who showed up. Let's, let's take a listen. First, let me just say that there is no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy. And anyone meeting with people advocating that point of view, in my judgment, are highly unlikely to ever be elected president of the United States. So that's Mitch McConnell, right? Now... He's talking about Ye as being the anti-Semite and Nick Fuentes being the flat-out racist. Like I say, I've never even heard of this guy. And Trump also said he, doesn't, he didn't know these guys were coming. Now, I think that there's a couple of things going on here with this play. 
I think it's kind of interesting the way this played out. Nobody ever would have reported on this dinner and it would have gotten any attention if um, if Trump had a meeting with Ye, right? If he had a meeting with Kanye West, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been talked about at all. Who cares? But Kanye West has sort of made himself out to be this anti-Semite, which is kind of ridiculous. Some of his statements are just ridiculous. And, and, and you know, he's walking off sets and he's, he's acting kind of weird. But he's also brilliant, but he's crazy brilliant. You know, like he's kind of a loose cannon. And why Trump would even sit down and meet with Ye is, is sort of like, to me, confusing, right? And now Trump is saying he was screwed right he was he said effed he uh, he said yay effed me is what trump said and at some point this is looking like bad optics for trump because it's like what you were played again i thought you were this new yorker that was slick, the smartest guy in the room and mr slick why do you keep getting yourself played you know you were played with the 2020 election you were played by yay you know, how, why do you keep on getting played? You know, you were played, you were fooled by, you were tricked by Chris Ray. You were tricked by Gina Haspel. You were tricked by Dan Coates. You were tricked by Bill Barr. You know, at some point, you got to start asking this question. Why do you keep getting fooled and tricked if you're the smartest dude in the room? So there is that element that's going on now trump is running out of equity you know i love trump but i'm also getting tired of losing right not tired of winning i'm tired of losing and i'm tired of explaining these things i love trump i love america first policies i love secure borders and an open and and a uh, and a strong immigration system where only the legal and only the best get into our country. I love a strong military, so strong that it never gets tested, so we can avoid war. I love bilateral trade. I am anti-globalist, as can be. I think that globalism is the plague and the tyranny of our, of our world. And they are the byproduct of, of Hitler mentality. And anybody that it supports globalism and multinational corporations and multinational trade deals that at the, that that uh, crush American interests is anti-American. I am pro-American. So, you know, that's the starting point. We can go on from there, but that's not the lesson I want to. You know, that's not the discussion I want to have. But Mitch McConnell, for Mitch McConnell to say that, he outed himself there didn't he? He basically said, we're not supporting any MAGA whatsoever. That's why it was kind of a big deal when Kevin McCarthy got the endorsement of Marjorie Taylor Greene, because he he must have made some promises to her, and she's MAGA. She's also kind of like friends with Nick Fuentes. And that, to me, is strange. It's very strange. Um, I don't quite understand it, you know, um, how you can be that, that dumb to be associated with this guy that's such a, such a quack. Um, so I don't understand that. But I am going to play 
this Nick Fuentes clip. Uh, it's absolutely nuts. Take a listen. This is this is a dose of Nick Fuentes. Okay, I I, I just I'm flabbergasted that this guy even exists and it represents himself as part of the Republican Party. Let's take a listen, because I know a lot of you don't even know who this Nick Fuentes guy is, but he's at the center of the Trump dinner with Ye. And again, one of the other interesting plays of that is no one would have ever known about this dinner, but Nick Fuentes showed up. So Nick Fuentes, by him showing up, Trump says he was played by Ye, but then Ye comes out and bashes Ben Shapiro and then basically outs uh, outs uh, uh, Ron DeSantis as being aligned with Ben Shapiro and giving the uh, Daily Wire a hundred thousand dollars in positive ad, you know, for advertising and support of the, you know this Never Trump organization. So it's kind of an interesting little dynamic, and it doesn't make Ron DeSantis look good. It doesn't really make Ben Shapiro look good. It doesn't make Ye look good. And frankly, I don't think even Trump looks good here. And so it's bad all the way around. It's a train wreck. Nobody's winning here in this whole sequence of events. And I almost wish that the dinner never happened. I thought at first maybe it was a plague. No one could be that stupid as to sit down and have dinner with this Nick Fuentes guy. And I thought, okay, this is a this is a play to get attention, draw attention, and out, out um, Ron DeSantis as being a uh, aligned with Never Trumpers. That's what I thought, and I still think it's possible that that's the case. But anyway, let's take a listen because I've never heard this guy hardly ever speak until now. All right, so let's take a listen to Nick Fuentes. Abortion's popular. Sodomy is popular, you know, being gay is popular, being a feminist is popular, sex out of wedlock is popular, contraceptives are, that's all popular. That's all, that's not to say it's good, that's not to say I like that, popular means the people support it, which they do. And, uh, and it sucks and it is what it is, but that's why we need uh, dictatorship. <laughs> that's unironically why we need to get rid of all that. We need to take control of the media or take control of the government and force the people to believe what we believe. That's why we need a dictatorship. So, of course, this feeds what we believe. We Rachel Maddow right now, ironically, who's so that clip is, you know, um, from using the, the worst way. of they the worst clips wing watch from where a they monitor and guy. document what's going on on the ultra right, on the far right fringe. Um, and that's a great public service all of the time. I'll tell you, it becomes a fire alarm system for the whole country when someone from that fringe, someone from that far out on the political spectrum, ends up having a Thanksgiving dinner with the Republican Party's leading candidate for president. Here's the pathway. We have one more election where white people can make the decision. The white people got to make the right decision, and then Trump's got to get in there and never leave. That, to me, at this point, is a pathway. It's time to shut up. Elect Trump one more time and then stop having elections. We have got to talk about the fundamentals of our worldview and what it would look like to build a society based on our distinct worldview. It looks like a society where women don't have the right to vote. And it looks like a society where boys and girls get married as teenagers 
and start having kids and they don't use birth control and they don't use contraceptives and they have big families and a high birth rate and it looks like women wearing veils at church and it looks like women not being in the workforce. Banning gay marriage is back on the menu. Banning sodomy is back on the menu. Banning contraceptives is back on the menu. And basically, we're having something like Taliban rule in America, in a good way. We're having something like a Catholic Taliban rule in America. Okay. So that's Nick Fuentes, right? <laughs> I've never heard of this guy before. He, he's absolutely crazy, right? It's nuts. But because Trump sat down and had lunch with, or dinner with uh, Ye, and Ye brings this guy, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? It's absolutely absurd. It's crazy. So, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but uh, it's discouraging. Um, it doesn't help that we're having rigged elections. I want to play a clip related to Maricopa. This guy really just moved me when I heard it. He was complaining about the Maricopa elections. And then after this, we're going to get to a little bit more about the uh we're going to listen to Ron DeSantis talk about the uh, um, Twitter uh, a, a feud, Twitter-Apple feud. But let's take a listen to this guy from Arizona. Clements, slave. That's what I am to this system, to your corruption. This is outrageous. This is a national crisis. And you're giving people two minutes to address a national crisis. And the way that you guys can just sit there, it's disgusting. Watching you pledge allegiance to my flag was disgusting, the way that you sold us out. You said you don't have the statutory authority to do anything. You're going to take a yes-no vote. What does that tell us? Yes or no. If it's just yes, then why are you here? Why are you here then? You have discretion. And when you certify something, you're saying that it's trustworthy. There's nothing trustworthy about this. This is theater. It's optics. I was a longtime prosecutor. I went after drug traffickers. This is vote trafficking at its finest. I've seen the criminal element. You are vote traffickers. You are a vote trafficker. Criminal. What are you going to do about it? You've sold us out. You've sold us out. You've sold us out. So we're not here to be civil. You're worried about language? We're worried about our voices being stolen and never getting a fair election again. That's what we're worried about. So a curse upon you, a curse upon all of you, you smug, smug people. What, you got, a, you got a, another chicken farm that needs to burn down, Mr. Hickman? Am I bothering you? Just, because this election please. bothered me. And you're doing nothing about it. I don't care about that stupid buzzer. This is sickening. You have the power as the chairperson to enlarge the time limits and actually hear your constituents instead of putting a muzzle on them. Thank you. Right your time you. is up. Your time is up, sir. Uh, all right. Hey, did you hear about these limousines blowing up 
I thought this was a strange story. Let's take a listen. Reports tonight that several of Joe Biden's Secret Service vehicles burst into flames, apparently in the clearest sign yet of God's disapproval. Just kidding. We actually don't know why it happened. But Trace Gallagher is on that story for us tonight. Hey, Trace. Hey, Tucker, let me just set the scene for you. There are five SUVs, a Ford Explorer, Ford Expedition, Jeep. But Trace Gallagher is on that story for us tonight. Hey, Trace. Hey, Tucker, let me just set the scene for you. There are five SUVs, a Ford Explorer, Ford Expedition, Jeep Gladiator, Infiniti QX80, and a Chevy Suburban. Five different models, all rented from Hertz. We're told the vehicles were supposed to carry the Biden family around Nantucket Island during the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. The president, his wife, Jill Biden, along with Hunter Biden, his wife, Melissa Cohen, and their son, Beau Biden Jr. But now we're told the Bidens did not use the rented SUVs and that only Secret Service agents agents use them. So the Bidens leave Nantucket on Sunday afternoon. Secret Service agents return the vehicles to Hertz on Sunday, and the vehicles are put in the overflow area and parked nose to nose. At 522 Monday morning, an employee at Nantucket Airport sees a fire in the rental car area, and within minutes, airport staff, Nantucket Fire, and Nantucket Police all respond. The fire is put out. But not before all five of the SUVs are heavily damaged. And it's notable the vehicles were parked 40 feet from the airport's 25,000-gallon jet fuel tanks. So far, the White House has not commented. And we're not pushing coincidences or odd scenarios here, but the Secret Service is not investigating. The pristine law enforcement agency known as Hertz is investigating. The only lead so far is that the Ford Expedition was being recalled for a faulty battery junction box that might catch fire, had not been repaired, and was then rented to be used by the leader of the free world. Meantime, we'll let you know if and when Hertz cracks the case. Tucker. It's pretty bizarre, isn't it? All right. Let's take a listen to this. This is an interview with uh, Ron DeSantis. Let's take a listen. Apparently, Apple is considering, according to Elon Musk, removing Twitter from its app store, which would, of course, shut down Twitter. And almost nobody in office has noticed this or decided to comment on it, except for Ron DeSantis. He's the governor of the state of Florida. He joins us tonight. Governor, thanks for coming on. So of all the news going on in the world, and there's a lot of it, you stopped on this story and you commented on it. Why? Why did this catch your attention? Well, Tucker, if you look what's going on in China now, the CCP, uh, they have imposing the zero COVID lockdown policies. They've been doing it on and off for three years. And you have people in China that are really engaged in a noble effort uh, to protest, which is basically Leninist rule. So what is Apple doing with that? They are limiting the airdrop function of the protesters. So they are serving basically as a vassal to the Chinese Communist Party. Then on the other hand, here in the United States, what are they doing? They are trying to get Elon Musk Twitter off the App Store potentially, which would be a huge blow for free speech. And so this is maybe the most powerful company uh, in the entire world, uh, certainly one of the most powerful companies in American history. They exercise more authority in some respects than even some governments do. uh, And they're using their authority to protect the CCP uh, we'll also try to limit speech here in the United States. While existing as an American, supposedly American company, using our copyright protections, our rule of law to their own advantage, they're benefiting from America, but working against our most basic value, which is free speech. What can be done about that? 
Well, Tucker, in the states, you know, we did big tech censorship bill two years ago. It's gotten caught up in the courts. I think the U.S. Supreme Court's going to accept that case for this term. Texas has a similar case. There's a conflict in the circuits. And so whatever the states can do to protect people's rights to engage in free expression. And, you know, what some of these companies do, they get a lot of benefits from the government, as you said, patent, things like that. The social media companies get liability protection. And yet they turn around and they use that protection to marginalize voices they disagree with. So I think from the congressional perspective, though, they need to look at antitrust uh, with these massive companies because they are exercising massive amounts of power over our society. So one of the companies who was benefiting a lot from the government, the government of the state of Florida, actually, was Disney. You you changed that. So they just switched CEOs because of that, because of what you did. The new CEO was the old CEO, Bob Iger, and sells a town hall for employees. And he said he regretted that Disney had fought with your administration over a bill that you backed that banned teachers from talking to kindergartners about sex. So then Disney's response led Florida state legislatures to strip, as you know, of course, because you backed it, Disney of its special status. Here's what Iger said today. I was sorry to see us um, uh, dragged into that battle. Um, And I have no idea exactly what its ramifications are in terms of um, the business itself. Um, What I can say is the state of Florida has been important to us for a long time. And we have been very important to the state of Florida. That is something I'm extremely mindful of and will articulate if I get the chance. How do, how do you respond to that? He's talking about you. We didn't drag them in, Tucker. They went in on their own and not only opposed the bill, they threatened to get it repealed. These are parents' rights, important policies in our state that are very popular. And so they brought this on themselves. Yeah. All we did was stand up for what's right. And yes, they're a big, powerful company. But you know what? We stand up for our folks. And I don't care what a Burbank-based California company says about <laughs> Yeah, that good, good for him. Good for Ron DeSantis. I have one last clip before we head out of Dodge here. Um, This is a a five-second clip from Joe Biden. Let's take a listen to this. Ten years ago, how many knew what the hell the supply chain was? No, I'm serious. (laughs) Ten years ago. Yeah, I did. (laughs) But apparently the Democrats didn't know what a supply chain was. (laughs) And then the other thing is we didn't need to know what a supply chain was because the supply chain worked perfectly. And all of a sudden, under Biden, it doesn't work at all. So shame on Joe Biden, you know, and the people that support him. that are standing and sitting right behind him. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And be sure to check out MAGAPAC.org. Find out how we're supporting America First policies to make America great again. Make a donation if you can, because... That donation helps Red State Talk Radio and The Scott Adams Show. Use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the Rio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.